We're going to continue in just a moment with our uh, series that we started earlier on this year. But first of all, I got a couple of slides. Uh, I just want to bring in. I'm going to do a review here, just very brief. And uh, there, okay. If I'm not, I, I know some of you. Maybe some will remember, but can anybody remember I preached this message? Okay. Oh, God bless you. You make me feel so good. Keep saying yes anyway then, but don't lie. Okay. Uh, the, the last Sunday in December, we preached this message called Course Correction. And moms here this morning, if you are in a situation where life seems to be falling apart for you, whether it's because of growing children or what's going on in some of your lives of your younger children or just relationships, I, I want to encourage you this morning and motivate you if there's something you can do to make a course correction in your life, then do it, because it'll make a big change. I was reading something just a little while ago in a book about that. If we, instead of getting overwhelmed by the stuff that go, go on in our lives, if we would make a micro shift, which means a little tiny change, we will see a macro change in the situation. You relate that to a boat. If you're going along in a boat and you shift the rudder just a little over a period of time, you will change your, dra your direction drastically. So I encourage you, Mom, do the little things and do what's right no matter what's going on in your life, in your family's life. You do what's right and be the mom that God has called you to be, and most of you are already doing that anyway. And how can you do that? You say, I don't have the strength. Well, the second sermon we preached, we started in Ephesians in January, and, and we said, He is the source. God is our source. God is the one who will help you to be what you're supposed to be. Then secondly, um, we talked about, next slide, that God chose you. And no matter who you are this morning, no matter what kind of family you've come, you say, well, I come from a very non-religious family. We're not talking about religion this morning. We're talking about a relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth, who sent his son to die for you. He chose you, and he loves you. He's part, he wants to be part of what you're doing. And fourthly, uh, fourth slide, he adopted you. That was the last message we done. I told you it was going to take a long time to do Ephesians because I don't get to preach every single Sunday, so uh, uh, the, the, we're going to continue on with this. And the sermon for today is still from Ephesians, uh, but he, and the sermon is, God wants you to know him. Now, we're going to continue with uh, the, la the, the last part of the first chapter of Ephesians. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul is writing, if you don't, i just bring up the speeder. Paul is the writer of this book. To a place in uh, over, over or not 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 here, way far from here, overseas, a place called Ephesus, and uh, he was in prison. He's writing a letter because he had started the church there, and so we discover that he takes a turn in his writing and breaks into a prayer, and the main focus in the prayer, or at least one of the main focuses, is that the Creator, the one who created all the beauty that we see today, what a beautiful morning we have, he wants you and I to know him. Let me read the text. It starts with the, where we're reading today is uh, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Begin at verse 15 down to 23. I don't have those scriptures on the slides except for when I do my points. There's a one or two I'm going to pull out. And here's what Paul said. Remember, he's writing from prison now. He's not whining about himself even. He says, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus 
and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. He says, I pray for you constantly, asking the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he, talking about Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has placed all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. That's those who have accepted Jesus Christ. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. That's the end of the scriptural text. <clears throat> These words used in the original language shows that this is more than just a polite prayer from a man who is imprisoned, but an intense wish or desire. Now, you want to know why he was in prison? Just in case you don't know, because he preached about Jesus and believed in Jesus Christ. God wanted, uh, Paul wanted these of Ephesian believers to go beyond where they were in their knowledge of God. And, and my desire this morning as I speak to you is that what Paul said of the Ephesian Christians will also be true of the disciples of Christian Fellowship Church. Let me read a, uh, a quote, but instead of reading it to the Ephesian believers, it will be read for us today, the disciples here. Paul, writing from Romans, said, The Christian Fellowship Church disciples are standing strong. They are growing in Christ Jesus. They are manifesting faith or showing faith in Jesus Christ. And, this comes the hard part sometimes, loving one another. Don't look at anybody because you've been struggling, okay, with someone. This is what I, I want for the believers who are gathering here. And that's my prayer. You know, we, we live in a world of uh, pluralism and diversity and people believe all certain kinds of things and they're atheists and agnostics and the atheist claims that there is no God for us to know. The agnostic uh, states, well, if there is a God, we cannot know him. But Paul stresses a few things here in this prayer and the main one is, yes, you can know God. And the question some people will ask, well, can I really know God? Beyond the fact, and excuse me, I'm <clears throat> struggling with my throat here this morning. Beyond the fact that he sent Jesus to die for us and save us from a hellish eternity. By the way, that fact is pretty wonderful. Uh, Paul is saying, yes, you can. I really don't think Paul would have uh, prayed a prayer for the saints to know God if it wasn't possible. Uh, someone made a statement but just before I get into the points here, and I, I just saw this this week, so I just wrote it down in pencil there. Hopefully I can kind of read it. Uh, it says, you cannot fully know God until you die to this world. 
That doesn't mean you don't care about the world. That doesn't mean that at all. Some people get, a, believers get a misunderstanding of that. It doesn't say you couldn't, shouldn't care about the environment, you shouldn't care about what's going on. But it says you cannot know God until you fully or you die to this world. That means to the opinions and the way that this world is run and the way that people go. And it says you cannot know God until you die to this world and its opinion of you. You got to get to the place where, you know what, I'm going to serve Jesus. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what my best friend even says. I'm going to serve Jesus. So Paul, as he's talking about growing, the first area that he prayed for the church would be, number one, a growth relationship. And this is where we're going to read verse 17. You can bring that one up. He says, I pray for you constantly. In other words, he's always doing this. He says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Paul could write from the standpoint of history. As a Jewish boy, he had been taught about individuals who experienced what he was praying for for the church. And let me just mention a couple without going into uh, the story, because every one of them, you can preach on them for weeks. There was a man named Enoch in the first book of the Bible who lived 365 years. And it says of him that he, he walked in such a close relationship with God that one day he disappeared because God took him. <laughs> Imagine going like that. Not end up in a hospital somewhere or anywhere else, but just walking right into the presence of God. Then there was Noah, who built that famous ark to save people from the flood. God said uh, he was going to do this, and I said that Noah walked in close relationship with God. That shows that there was a fellowship there. And then Abraham, he says, shall I hide my plan? He was planning on doing something to some wicked cities, and he says, should I hide my plan from Abraham? And then, then there was Moses who said the Lord would speak to Moses face to face just like one speaks to a, a, a friend. And then, of course, there was David. And David prayed in such an intimate way with God. He says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point the road for me to follow. And if you read other books in the Bible, like Hebrews 11 from one, uh, you'll find the people there, even though they weren't perfect, uh, they, they had a passion to know God. There's a couple of verses that Paul wrote in, in another book called Philippians, and that also was from, from prison. Paul wrote a lot of books from prison. And the first verse he says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's saying everything else around me, everything, fame, wealth, everything, my, my, uh, my assets, everything. That, that means nothing in, in, when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ. Paul wanted his brothers and sisters as, who were Christians uh, to know that you could have a, a relationship with God that was beyond anything else. Matter of fact, he prayed for himself in, in the same book. He says, I, I want to know God. And he was almost near the end of his life. He said, I want to know Christ. And the guy had already walked with Christ for years and then suffered uh, persecution because he was a Christian. He said, I, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised from him from the dead. The first time I read that verse, and it's been years since the very first time, I was astonished by the passion that came from this man who was near the end of his life on earth. See, we're not simply referring to knowing more about God. There are people who would never, ever darken the door of a building like this who know about God, sometimes more than believers. And they have a mental knowledge of God like he was some sort of subject to be explored. We're not talking about that. Neither is, is Paul. Paul's talking about knowing God and having an intimate, daily, walking, and talking relationship with him. 
That someone said knowing God is experience in his presence in us. And that's what I want for this church and for myself on a consistent basis. I can remember um, when I worked uh, in the oil sands in Fort McMurray. I can remember times as a just a young man, young father, and I'd be working and I, I operated heavy equipment uh, in the tar sands. And I remember sitting on one of those big D10 dozers waiting for the scrapers to come in to shove them. And some of you would say, what are you talking about? Just tractors, scrape. Anyway, some of those operative equipment, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I'll be just there while I was waiting. I pull out my, my, my New Testament. I was reading some stuff. And I could sense the presence of God in that old tar sands with the stink of that oil all around me. And it was amazing. And, and that, and, you know, and even more today than that. I, I'm so thankful that there's a way all of us can grow in God. It's not just a, a religious exercise that we do. Growth relationship. That's what Paul prayed for. Secondly, he said, I, I'm praying that your, uh, that, that your life would be influenced by your future, future influence. See, Paul didn't ignore the now. And sometimes the accusation against believers, all you talk about is heaven, you don't care about this world. That is totally contradictory to what the Bible says. See, Paul's understanding of the future made him look at the present differently than others. Verse 18 says, I pray also that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope. Excuse me. And every time you read that in scriptures, it's talking about the future. He has given those he called his holy people who are as rich and glorious inheritance. This speaker, uh, this verse is speaking about the Holy Spirit actually actively involved in our personal lives in the work of renewal. All of these things I mentioned in the point in, in point one about uh, being grown in the Lord. Uh, it doesn't mean we just sit around and wait for God to come. These people were actively involved in the redemptive purposes of the kingdom. In other words, trying to win people for the Lord. But point one, growing in Christ fueled their passion for the future. The word that some translations use, and you might have it in, in the NIV or the old King James Version, enlightened. It, says, it can be described this way. When you know, you know what happens when you go into a dark room. First of all, you can't see anything. And I, but then all of a sudden your eyes begin to adjust gradually to the light. That's what Paul was saying. He was praying that our hearts would be would begin to adjust and see better what God has prepared for us here and after we're finished here. You know, when we have a confident hope of the future, when our when our hope when our future is influenced, uh, you know, by Jesus Christ, we don't you know we don't have to be fearful for the future. You don't have to be fearful if what happens in a couple of weeks with Donald Trump and North Korea is going to going to destroy all of us. God is in charge of this world, not. I can't even pronounce his name uh, over there in North Korea or Donald Trump. Neither one of them. Neither our own prime minister. God is still in charge of this world. So they can they all make their little moves and move like on a chessboard. But God is in, in charge and God gets the last word. And when we truly understand that Christ is in charge and he is coming again, it's hard not to experience true worship that can be really exciting and really emotional. Listen to this, uh, this, this quote. It calls for a change in our lives as it's going to happen. But this quote says, and I've got it on the screen, it says, the work of the Holy Spirit is a work of renewal in us, personally. We have to change our old habits. Physical and emotional and mental into new habits. And how do you do that? It says that line up with the Word of God. We have something to line up with. The Word of God is not 
the liberal party. It's not the progressive conservative party. It's not the new Democrat. It's the word of God. Our word, our, our life is supposed to line up with. Thank God for that. So, so there's an adjustment that begins to take place as we get to know God. And when you don't know what's going on in your life, why you're here, your purpose, ask God to enlighten your understanding. Because you know, if you can feel a pulse, you have a purpose in this world. My grandmother was uh, 101 and just uh, next weekend. Uh, she's got a purpose in this life. She might not think so sometimes, but I believe as long as you've got a pulse, you have a purpose in this life. And just in case you're wondering what God has for you, really doesn't end when your life ends here. So no matter what happens here, we belong to God forever and ever and ever. Someone said, not only have we been chosen for a purpose in the here and now, like in the present, not only are we loved, redeemed, forgiven, and given access to unlimited wisdom and revelation, but we have been given the great gift of eternity. That's why the, the, the last writer in the Bible, the very last word says, even so come Lord Jesus. Yeah, the news is bad. Yes, this country is getting mad there, and they're, they're killing people over there, and that's a terrible thing. But Jesus Christ is coming back. And until he does, we got a job to do right here. So I truly want my heart, my heart to adjust, to be enlightened more to the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. I'm not sure Joanna is praying today that the Lord will come back or Jordan. They want to see that little baby. But I, I, I will just leave that to the Lord. We'll leave that where it is right there. The third thing that Paul prayed for, and I almost missed it, is that the followers of Jesus Christ would be, thirdly, power dependent. See, it's just not quoting a, a bunch of scriptures or memorizing some ver scriptures as important as that is. But in verse 18, and you can tack that on to the, 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 the 19 to 21, he says, I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness. You will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. If you're a Christian this morning, it's talking about you. This is, notice what it says now. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler. You worried about what's going on the earth? He is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Oh man, if I believe that, I can't lose. If you believe that today, your circumstances might discourage you sometimes and disappoint you, but if you believe that, that Jesus Christ is far above and has more power than any leader, not only in this world, but in the world to come, how can you lose? You can't lose. You're just going through circumstances before the ultimate victory. But just like you, I don't always feel like that. Because sometimes I try to work out things myself. So do you. So don't just say, oh, that's terrible for you. You do too. I try to do it sometimes without seeking God. Though. And that's eventually where I end up into trouble. Man, Paul is talking here, and what's just so encouraging, about the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. I, I don't know if you understand what kind of power it takes to raise somebody from the dead. Don't look at me to tell you, because I don't understand either. There's a lot of power. It's a resurrecting king. With resurrecting power. There's a song that goes there, and I won't sing it to you. But it's resurrecting king is resurrecting you today. See, this is not some vague concept, not some science fiction force, but this is about a person, about Jesus Christ, who was dead, but now is alive. Death couldn't hold him, and neither can anything that's holding you today if you allow the resurrector to be in charge. 
Jesus was stone cold dead. But when the resurrecting power began to work in his body, death could not hold him. And one day, everyone that you know that have died who knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, well, one day, death will not be able to hold them. There will be a resurrecting power that will hit those ashes wherever they are, and that body will come to life. But it won't be the same old body. It will be a brand new body. And it's the same for all of us wherever we are. Yes, give the Lord a clap offering. This morning, because the resurrected king is here, if you feel beat down under false accusation, if you feel beat down and frustrated, if you're feeling condemned, intimidated, and discouraged, that same resurrected king is resurrected, resurrecting you today. Just talk to him. He's willing to touch your life today. Paul uses descriptive words to show us his power. He called it, in some different translations, incredible greatness, mighty strength. And, 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 and that, those words that are used there, it talks about an inerrant power that's in us if you're a Christian. And, and it's our possession, but it's waiting for the signal to be released or activated. God is for us, some translations say. God's power is for us. The Holy Spirit, obviously, in the words that are used in the text, he wants us, as someone said, to get a full revelation of the massive power available to us when we simply believe and act upon God's word. And you know what it's for? For us who believe. That's what the text says. It's for us who believe. And that power, this power is from our Lord and operates under his direction because he is in charge. Verse 20 tells us that this resurrection power is what the Holy Spirit is trying to get you and I to see. Why is it important? Why is that important this morning? Why do we need to be power dependent? Because the resurrection power is the kind of power that brings dead things to life. I have a new appreciation and a new excitement for the, power, the kind of power that the Father wants you and I to tap into. And we need to ask the question, what is it that seems like is dead in my life that I know Christ wants to be alive? Is it your marriage? Does it seem dead? God wants it alive this, today. Does uh, your, your career, God wants it alive. Do you feel that your heart is dead because of the difficult times and, and wounds you have went through? God wants you alive. You say, well, you know what? This is a cycle we're all in. My father was like this. My grandfather was like that. Well, in the name of Jesus, I ask you this morning, make a change in your family. You'll be the one to break the cycle of the family and see your children be different than what you maybe you see your negative past. I know I've got, I could go back to relatives and the way some of them live, but thank God, one day I had a dad who came to Jesus Christ. It changed the way I look at life. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. And I'm not going to give you an interview with my wife because she might tell you some things I don't want you to know. I could go on and on this morning with the things that you feel are dead. But God can bring these dead things to life, just like he brought Jesus to life after he was Christ crucified. Someone said, there is nothing so dead or so insignificant that he cannot bring it to life and give it eternal purpose. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. And I know it's dangerous when I start going this way or that way without keeping to my notes. And I have notes for on purpose because I could go in a thousand different directions. But I know that there's some here this morning that whatever you feel is dead in your life, the Lord is saying there's enough power to bring it back to life, to bring a resurrection in your life. What you thought was over. The relationship that you thought was dead. 
and you see no hope, God can bring it back. God can make you a different man, a different woman than you are today. Trust him. The final area I want to cover in Paul's prayer, and I could go on and on on that one there because I I like that one because I like it when dead things come to life. But the last one is purpose-focused. Verse 22 to 23. It says, God placed all things. All things. Say that with me. All things. One more time. All things. So no matter what you're thinking about this morning, that seems, no, there's no way. God placed all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for what? The benefit of the church. The church is not this building. This building is a, is, is a place that the church uses for different functions like this morning. But for the benefit of the church, for you and I, human beings, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. The first three points that I mentioned this message is direct, directly related to this verse. And the reason I say that is, is that if we have a growing relationship with God and we know where we are going and realize that he has all the power and wants us to release it into our world, imagine, imagine kingdom power at work in Pictou County. Pictou County would never be the same if all the believers start walking together and realizing that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. It can give us a passion for the number one mission we have. See, God's got a lot riding on the church. But the church has got a lot going for it because of who's in charge. And it's not me, Pastor John, or Pastor Bruce. Thank God. It's Jesus Christ. It's his church. He's the one who owns the church. He's all-powerful. There's not anything or anyone who ever ruled in the past who's ruling now or whoever will rule in the future that comes close to the power of the risen Christ. No one. The fullness of Jesus fills the church. Now, that gives me a completely different appreciation for the church and much important Christ puts on the church. Verse 23 reminds us who is the beneficiary of that power. It says, in him, in him, we have all the, uh, the, 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 the benefits of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we get too small of a vision when we at times face a, vision, uh, a challenge. and Not so much that we trip up, but we trip up and stay down, and and we look at a setback, and we wallow in it instead of taking the right steps and going on in God and trusting the power of God to help us go on. Our enemy, Satan, is in this long term. This is not just a sprint for him either. He's looking for us to give up completely. And when you press on, even when you have stumbled and you've messed up, Satan loses. And you have won because you refuse to surrender and spend eternity in the same place that he's going to be. See, God has supplied all we need to make it to the finish line. You can succeed in your walk with God, no matter who you are. No matter who you are, what family you've come from, even if your family was dysfunctional, or if you were raised in a church-going family like me, we can succeed. God has supplied all we need, and it's in Jesus Christ. You can know God. Every one of us here this morning, no matter how much you believe you know God and how tight you think you are with God, you can know God even on a greater level than you do now, and so can I. And I want to. Do any, is there anybody else who would like to know God? Me too. I don't care how old. And I love it when I see like people like Moody and Kenny, and I, and I don't know if they're the oldest people in the church, but I, if you are, God bless you. Uh, but put up your hands. I want to know God more. 
Hallelujah. I, I just remember, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, a couple of years ago when I went, met my uh, uncle for, I hadn't seen for a few years, and he was uh, 106 years old, and man, he was just, I just couldn't believe the way he talked about God. 106 years old. He could go out at any minute. Well, so can any of us, but you know, you just feel when you get older, you could go quicker. And he still had a fervor and a passion. And so whenever he started talking about God in the Bible, he would get all excited. I wanted to get saved all over again and come to the Lord. It was just, so, you know, I, I just want to be like that. We can know God on a greater level. Now this, that's chapter 1 Ephesians. <laughs> that's just one chapter. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance this year to preach the rest of it or not. We'll see. We should never doubt how blessed we are. Never doubt it. God is your source. He is your source. He chooses you. I didn't choose you. He chose you. That makes a big difference. So I can say whatever I want and try to put you down. He chose you. I trust I never do something like that. But he chose you. And he adopted you into his family and put, made you a son and a daughter the minute, minute you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And no matter where you are today, what age you are, God loves you and he cares about you. And you can make the rest of your life be purposeful, full of power, and influenced by the future than never before. He wants you and me to know him and make it possible. Let me need to read a couple of things here and then we'll, we'll close. Someone said, and I'm quoting, there is no amount of money. Now, we, our eyes light up when we see that. There's no amount of money equal to what? To redemption, eternal life, and all spiritual blessings. But there was a value placed upon all this wealth by God. He deemed our wealth to be worthy of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was given for us right before creation, even before creation. The Bible tells us that. He was given because for some incredibly awesome and unfathomable reason, God wanted you and he wanted me. So everyone listening to me this morning, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Now, I've been about 20 minutes or so. I've tried to put this, I've tried to put this message in one long sentence. Maybe you can bring that up on the screen. And this, this message is really about God... And Paul praying that and encouraging us to know the God who wants us to personally know him. Because why? Because knowing God will change your personal life. It will change your perspective on life. And it will change how you live your life. And you say, okay, well, tell me how to do that. Well, if you're a Christian this morning, and or even if you're not, well, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. First of all, just admit you're a sinner. I need you, Lord. I can't make it through this life on my own. I don't even understand what's going on in this life. It's such a messed up world in many cases. And if you're, some of you make a, a commitment to Christ, there's three things you can do real quick. You remember what I said at the beginning uh, to the moms? If you make a micro shift, it'll bring macro changes. A little shift will bring a big change in your life. Begin reading your Bible every day, even if it's a couple of verses. Second, begin praying and talking to God. You don't need to know any these or thous. Or you don't need to know any King James English. You just talk to God like you would a friend. And find a Bible-believing community and become part of it. And, and just start getting together with other people that believe the same as you. That doesn't mean ignore anybody else. But once in a while, you need to get together with other believers. That's three simple things that can help you know God even better. I will quit right now because I know some of you want to go for your Mother's Day feast. 
But I do want to pray first. Maybe the team can come back, Diane and the team. Didn't they do a good job already this morning? I want to pray that God would just be with us and that every one of us, from the little children in our church, the teenagers, the young adults, the married couples, the older folks, that's all those that are older than me and beyond. Okay, I guess my grandsons figured I'm old too. God wants you to know him. He loves you and he cares about every single one of us. We're heading into the summer in just a little while, and woo, I love the summer. Just make it the best summer you can and with God being your partner. And allow the resurrecting power of the Lord Jesus Christ to change the things that seem dead in your life and make it come alive. We're going to have, uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want to remind you that in the back of the church, there's going to be some coffee for you after the service, but there's also a table that said, Ladies only. That means not children, not good-looking guys like me. I'm just joking. You, let's lighten up a little. But anyway, just ladies only. There's some treats that are just for ladies only. We want to just show you a little bit how special. And I know there. And on the outside, there's a table for uh, moms uh, and expected moms. Uh, pick up a flower on the way. Out. But try some of those treats, sir. There's been few people working, well, one or two working hard. I know my wife was especially, and then Betty and Diane was involved with the flowers and stuff too. We just put a few things together. Just have some chocolate. You like chocolate. I will walk by that, that table and I will try to look at it. No, I won't because if I do, I will. I put somebody on, on security down there anyway. I told Brenda, if anybody comes close to that thing, any male. Okay? Anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness towards us today. Lord, we're not interested in religion. Lord, we, we know, Lord, we talk about religion when we talk about the church. And that, but Lord, we, we are really interested in what the Bible talks about, a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, I pray that, it, that there not, will not be one person in the sound of my voice this morning that will end up estranged from you, gone from you because they will not listen to your word. I pray that every one of us, those of us who've been Christians for a year, have been Christians for 50 years, will get to know you better. That the last part of our lives will be better than the first part. Just minister by your spirit, Lord, to all my brothers and sisters this morning. And if there's anyone who do not know you today, I pray in the name of Jesus, they will get to know you beginning today. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. When the team has finished this song, this song really goes along with the love of God and also the love of the mom. Okay, so will you just listen to it? And when they're finished, the service is dismissed. Go get your coffee. Men, stay away from that table. Or ladies only.